0: Balancing the ever-tipping scales of Gitmo Nation from opposite corners of the Constitution-free zone, this is No Agenda. Coming to you from Gitmo Nation, east in the affluent suburb of Surrey, known as Guilford, I'm Adam Curry.
1: And I'm John C. D'Vorke. Gitmo Nation, north? Or actually, west? I don't know. I'm in Silicon Valley. West, of course.
0: That's Gitmo Nation West. west. Come on, you should know that.
1: I, you know, it changes. It moves around. <laughs> it's a moving target. <laughs> it's not going to be Gitmo Nation anymore after the election.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> what will we have to talk about then?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Probably something worse. <laughs> no, no, no. It's going further into Gitmo Nation.
0: <sighs> hey, it's Hey, uh, it's good to be back in the UK, back into the news cycle. Boy, is it different.
1: Yeah, you you were you were here for a while, uh, and then you came back. I mean, you like took a couple of trips, mm-hmm. and and the thing was the, uh and we went. To, I don't do we discuss the? I don't think we talked about Chapeau, which will be our last restaurant review for those of, out there who hate the <laughs> fact that we even discuss food. I'm getting
0: so uh, many positive responses to our food discussions, and indeed, we have not discussed Chapeau, which I would have to say uh, was one of our better meals.
1: Yes, I would say I agree. Uh, and it was reasonably priced and I got to have a wine that I haven't had for 20 years that well, I thought
0: before, before we get to that, let's just start at the beginning, um, where we beginning walk at the end, the beginning of the end, we walk into the joint and it felt like we had walked in the back door mm-hmm. because you're literally the minute you walk in, you're standing in between two tables and all the action is at the other side of the room. So I'm like, wow, this is kind of weird.
1: I'm still wondering whether we did walk into the back door.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's probably what happened. And we got uh, we got a great seat, a little uh, booth right by the window, which was nice.
1: There was no. Uh, it's a weird place. Uh, there was no. You know, normally in almost every restaurant you go to, even if it's a little place in in the middle of nowhere, France, there's a little stand someplace where yeah. you know where you you know to go. But someone will check your name. Re- yeah, cause it's like a little, it's like a podium. In fact, every restaurant has one. Now I think about why. Yeah, with a you know, somebody, could, somebody could keep it in the back of their pocket, you know, the list. But, you know, yeah, there's usually a podium, and you go to the podium, and yes, yes, what can I do for you? Well, I, I have a reservation for two at 630. Name, uh, Dvorak, uh, oh, yeah, there you I are. I wanted to ask you a question about that, because
0: I've seen you um, do this a couple of times now, because you always take care of the reservations, and you'll walk in and say, Yeah, uh dinner for two or table for two. You never say uh reservation on a Dvorak. You always say re- you know, dinner for two first.
1: And I do. Any any particular reason? Yeah, I want to see if you can get in without a reservation.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. <All> right. <laughs> Check.
1: I mean the, of course I do it through a Open Table so I need to get those points for the unknown reasons.
0: <laughs> I you so, know I'm getting uh, email now from Open Table about points but that <laughs> I'm foolish because uh, for whatever reason I'm I'm hanging out with you too much you're getting all the points. I should look that up. That was a fascinating email. But
1: anyway, so yeah, I just like people who say, no no don't worry I'll I'll make the I'll make the reservation for. You. So um anyway, um uh, no, I usually do that. I always say, to, I, I go in there, I, I do this, and I, by the way, I've always done this. I go in to see if I can just get a table. So three, and then, and then if there's no tables, they always say, do you have a reservation? Now, in the case of a situation where I want to get my points, uh, I, <laughs> I go really in, I go in <laughs> and, and ask if there's a, it's kind of nice to know if you can just wander into a place. Yeah. So it's one way of finding out. Anyway, so I go in there and, uh, I say, um, Three or two or four or whatever, <laughs> depending and, on if we uh, have the the And they say, "Oh yeah, yeah, we can put you over here." And I say, "I and I have a reservation." <laughs> Right. Said, oh yeah! And go, right. oh, yeah. Oh, oh, and I said, "You know, I give my name, and then they go back and they check it off the box." And you have to, you had—I mean, as opposed to just taking the table. Because if I don't tell them I have a reservation, there'll be this reservation still sitting there, yeah. And with the name Dvorak on it, and I look like a stiff.
0: Uh, so the email I got was open table turns ten plus Thanksgiving specials and one K points. <laughs> <laughs> More points. Point.
1: So well, it turns um, out yeah, so, well, by the way place, it turns
0: place, out, I'm sorry go ahead
1: somebody sent me a note saying you get 50 bucks off on a, on a you get a coupon at all these restaurants
0: Yeah, we, we got to redeem that man because uh, this is an well, expensive I, haven't got show. It yet, I haven't
1: got to the, you need 5000 points for 50 bucks I'm not there yet 5000 points
0: we need to go to some 1K one, one point restaurants. That's what we need to I've do. I've only
1: done that once. I've actually tried to just slip a couple 1K restaurants in on our little uh, <laughs> <Which one>? soirees.
0: <laughs> I don't recognize <laughs> any on the list. Uh, so um, what was interesting to me was that uh, I think it was like a family-run restaurant. seemed like uh, a family of, what would you say, Koreans maybe?
1: It looked like it, but if you look at the list, they're too French.
0: Well... Uh, François Wu.
1: I'm saying. Yeah.
0: And, well, uh, and I don't I, know. And every, I don't,
1: everybody was, there was Asian. We never saw anyone that wasn't Asian.
0: Place was packed but, and the service was very interesting because uh, although uh, efficient and prompt and attempt, they did mess up a couple things, which was just unnecessary and dumb.
1: I had a list of four things they screwed up. All right, let me see if we, if we can uh, knock them
0: off. First of all, there was the, um, there was just getting the get, getting situated, getting someone over in the beginning took a little long. There was some confusion. Some you know someone came up to take our drink order after it had already been taken. Then uh, we didn't get our palate cleanser, which we expressly ordered.
1: Um, right. They had a, this is one of the few restaurants. There's a thing for people out there who really care. There's a in a, in a higher end restaurant. This is not a high end place. It's kind of medium. But in high-end restaurants, they usually give you one of these things free, and they're called an entremet, and they're a little piece of this, like usually a little sherbet or not a sherbet, not, nothing with milk in it, but a, like a, a like a fruit sorbet or something uh, that just kind of get a lot of acid. Sacre
0: bleu, mon entremet et mon derrière!
1: <laughs> it's got a lot of acid, in it, and it's supposed to cleanse the palate for the next course. Mm. And it's kind of this one costs nine bucks. This, this palate cleanser. Well, well they, I I think it would be funnier to have a restaurant say Palate Cleanser you know and they would have a then, then they come out with a toothbrush.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> this restaurant did did have some gimmicks. Um but anyway, then they um I had, you would ask for the lamb I'm going to say rare and yes. I'd ask for the beef medium. And although I did get the beef and you did get the lamb uh, they made the beef medium and the uh, or the beef rare and the lamb medium.
1: Yes, which was annoying to say the least. Somewhat I bitched. Somewhat, yeah. And it wasn't bad, but the but it would the lamb. You know, sh- the lamb should have been rare. Actually, the beef was good because it was rare. I don't know why you keep ordering medium.
0: Well, I don't like rare.
1: You ate the thing up like you were just... I'm surprised you didn't,
0: Excuse me, I didn't finish it, and I said, here, would you like this? I can't finish it. okay. Because it was just, like, grossing me out. But I didn't want to say, hey, I'm really grossed out by this, you know, piece of rotting flesh, bloody flesh on my plate. Would you like to harsh that down? And you always would do what you always do. Hey, um... Could you put this in uh, in a box for my dog? I really do have a dog, and then uh, put the bread in there. And you're like taking everything off the table. Hey, this scrap here. Wait a minute. Wait, there's a crumb. Give that. Put in there. And you know, I'm like, yeah. Put the salt and pepper shakers in there. Go ahead, man. Put it all in the box.
1: They don't do. By the way, they don't do that doggy bags in Europe. No, Uh, do do
0: not try this in Europe.
1: (laughs) Do not try this in Europe. But I do have a dog. And yes, and uh, we feed we feed our dogs all of them scraps mm-hmm. as much as we can. or We make our own dog food, and um, so I'm not lying. I'm not taking the food home to eat it because it was uh... overcooked. And uh, but here's the thing: you didn't know. I didn't tell you this. They didn't put anything in there except a the one piece of meat. Oh, uh, they didn't put the bread in. You asked um, you expressly asked for the bread. Exactly.
0: Oh, what a cheap bastard! So, uh, they just was, ooh, I, I think they just fell off the list.
1: Well i mean it's just like they were they were careless it was a yeah. careless yeah. the service was extremely careless yeah
0: it, the but the food made up for it, and what really uh, the appetizer we need to talk about that about that for a second appetizer we had then we have two separate appetizers and then a um i think i ha- what did i have john <coughs> we
1: had something in the middle too I don't remember okay the most Maybe man- had some sort of salad or something,
0: yeah, but it was good
1: it was good. No, the appetizers were good. Yeah, but of course, not apparently not memorable.
0: So the wine, though, this was uh, this was a funny moment, um, where you had uh, found what you would call a gem, and I'll let you uh, expand on what it was in a second. And uh, so, you know, the waiter comes over and and uh, you say, hey, this is yeah. really uh, amazing that this wine is on the menu. You, you know, you can't get this anywhere. The guy's like, all right, yeah, we got it. And, you, and then you took it one step further. No, no, said, the guy
1: made a, the, no, no, the guy no, wait, made a no, no, snide no, 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 comment. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no,
0: the snide comment okay. came after that because he was being nice at first. And then he went, look, I can't get this anywhere in San Francisco. And then the guy said, well, maybe you need to go find a better place, <laughs> which tripped me out. And, and it, you're like, snap. You had nothing to say.
1: I didn't have a comeback. Zero comeback. Uh, you could have at least said, right. "Hey,
0: you Korean fuck, who do you think you are?"
1: <laughs> well, I did some research. <laughs> yeah, the wine's not available. Well, where did he get it from then? Obviously, some distributor came through town and they sold them. Uh, you know, half the wine list, and but none of the none of the uh, local stores have it. And I just, you know, I looked it up on the internet. As a matter of fact, it's hard. This stuff's hard to find. It's been hard to find for years.
0: Okay, so tell uh, tell the audience what it was.
1: It was a Chateau Canon from Canon Fronsac. It wasn't from Saint Emilion, and it was a it was a two thousand five. And it's I think that it's it's one of these that I think from the new owners. I think it's. Been, I think the ownership's been changed. Uh, although I, I wouldn't know because you never see this wine. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of other Fransacs and Canon Fransacs, which is a r- very specific area of Bordeaux that's used to be extremely popular. Apparently, at least if you read the literature in the 1600s or something like that, because it's a little closer to Paris. But. Um, I've always liked these wines from this area because they have a distinctive flavor that's kind of is unique and tasty. And Canon is essentially the chateau that they named the subdivision Canon Fronsac after because it was so good. And in fact, the wine was tasty.
0: Yeah, it was outstanding and a great value. It was, uh, I believe, sixty dollars for the bottle.
1: Yeah, it was sixty bucks. You know, if that's if you if we were in Paris, that wine would have been probably a hundred.
0: And by the way, when I say a reasonable price, that's all relative, obviously.
1: for these restaurants, that's a very good deal. Because for people out there who, you know, are wondering, oh, that's pretty high. I only pay eight. But the um, fact is the restaurants we've been going to until we downgraded. Uh,
0: (laughs) Until we downgraded. Oh, my goodness.
1: Until we downgraded, it was like. Pulling teeth to find a wine under a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, the um the total bill for
0: this I believe was two hundred and thirty dollars, about as expensive as the other restaurant the previous one we went to.
1: Right, which was which actually I think it was a little cheaper and the restaurant this restaurant was which was ISA, I think it was a little better. And uh, and we and it wasn't like a $250 wait, 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 wait. You, two hundred fifty dollar bill for two people. You thought,
0: you thought Isa was better than Chapeau?
1: No, no, the chapeau is better. Mm-hmm. I say it was better and cheaper is what I'm trying to get to. Okay. And and for uh people out there, you know, 250 bucks this one this meal had we didn't there wasn't anything that we didn't do except that we didn't have any after dinner drinks. Although I think we had a white Okay, we had, we had a, a
0: we had a white wine to start with.
1: We had a white wine to start with, a full bottle of wine, and then thing we had an after dinner uh, Sauternes or something. Oh, and
0: and of course oh, the pièce de resistance. Exactly which just blew us both away uh the desserts uh, i think did you get the sorbet
1: oh wait the the resistance for me was the guy slipping us a sauternes that wasn't the one we ordered oh yeah true another faux pas i mean, yeah. this place is, these, these guys have a lot of a lot, I mean, of, guts, they, a lot of guts a lot we, of guts. you know, we should
0: go back there and say you know what you you know we we thought you were pretty good but you're off the list now
1: it's shitty service those are their screw ups <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very cute at the end there, though they give you a, a little hat. Of course, chapeau being a French for hat, and your bill is in there. I want to take a dump in it. Um, it's a hat. It's an it's actual hat. <laughs> yeah, it was a real hat. But what was uh, what was just awesome was the uh, the one dessert.
1: When that you I see a ordered. hat, do you want to take a dump? Then? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. When God. I saw that
0: one, uh, I was a little annoyed by the service, but it, it evened out because the food was so good. And at the end, let me get to it. I had a banana, strawberry, kiwi kind of uh, mashup, but what they had done is they kind of floated that in basil oil, and it was an outstanding combination.
1: I'm glad you remembered that because I actually forgot it, but now that you mention it, I was stunned by this dessert. It was one of the tastiest things combinations of flavors then I mean, we had, we're taking about we're talking about classic like you know uh, uh, combinations of like a custard, a banana, a yeah. strawberry something else but with this basil oil oh. it just took this thing to another dimension for some reason it was it absolutely. Phenomenal.
0: And, and, and basil, you know, I, I associate that with uh, some Italian dishes, certainly more hearty, you know, not something sweet. And, uh, right. but, but when you combine it with those other sweet fruits, it is, I mean, it absolutely heavenly.
1: Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I was stunned. So, um, anyway, that's our review of Chapeau in San Francisco. If you happen to be going by, when you go in, if anyone comes into San Francisco <laughs> tell, and
0: tell them, their, Devo- tell them Dvorak sent you.
1: You know, they'll so go in there and say, "I understand your service is kind of crappy, although your food's good."
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me take a dump in that hat of yours. <laughs> I don't know where you get that. <laughs> I don't know either. I'm all. Yes. I've been alone. I came home. I, check this out, man. So it's been. It's like being on tour. You know, first it three weeks in San Francisco. Then we. I rushed back to that. You know, the surprise party in uh, in Amsterdam. Then flew out. Almost the day after we got back and uh, for another full week in San Francisco, Los Angeles, and I come home and you know, I've delayed flights and so I'm home late and everyone's kind of getting ready because Patricia Christina and uh, Dexter, Christina's boyfriend, they all went to Holland yesterday. so I've been home alone for two days. Me and the admin, the stuff that piles up in a few weeks time is just so un- not just frightening but annoying. It's like an albatross.
1: Like what? What are you talking about?
0: It's just stacks and stacks of envelopes that have to be opened and dealt with. And it's amazing, because when I go through it, the actual signal-to-noise ratio is very low. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, there's, like, basic utilities, uh, a couple of bills, you know, but uh, honestly, 150 envelopes. And it's all kinds of bullshit that really doesn't need any attention at all is, you know, overkill. And you have to wade through all of it. Ugh. I hate it.
1: You know what's interesting is I thought this was supposed to be eliminated by electronic uh, email and things like that. Oh, it's junk a mail. Is what you're talking about?
0: It, well, it's not even junk mail. It's just the the you know the vendors that I do business with, one way or the other. Be it the banks. the banks are the worst. They send you so much crap. It's like no, I'm get get a clue already. I'm not going to take the credit card. I'm not going to take your insurance. Ah. <sighs> in the in the UK is this the same in the states where you pay for the water coming out of the tap and you also have to pay for the amount of water that, that goes down the drain
1: I don't know that we well we, there's a sewage tax but that's no this is not no, a tax like a, they
0: actually measure well they say no, they no, measure no. how much water uh you flushed
1: don't even you shouldn't have even mentioned it now that I think about it yeah paying, some idiot both in Berkeley ways. will decide hey there's a good idea
0: yeah paying for it both ways yeah, you I and,
1: never heard of such a thing how do you measure it
0: let me see, let me go grab a bill. Let me see how what they say. Hold on.
1: Do they have a a, a meter on your on your outflow?
0: I, they have a meter on my ass. So they can see how much is coming out.
1: How much farting are you doing? Hold on. Hold on. Uh, oh, here it is. Uh, let me see. They let meter me see. everything for carbon credits. Oh, here it
0: is. Here it is. Check it out. So services your water services bill for fifteenth April two thousand eight to two October two thousand eight. 191 pounds 80, consisting of water.
1: Wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Yes. What's the period of time for 191 pounds, which to us Americans is about $350? Yeah, April to October. April, May, June. So a six-month bill?
0: Yeah, six-month bill. So and, bad. Okay, in that time, um, 100... Uh, Oh, interesting. This is, so they just, this isn't, oh man, I gotta go check my meter. So here it is. They, <laughs> this is, how do they know? Well, they basically say, okay, you, the estimate that you use, you know how they do that where, um, you get an estimated charge and then, you know, when you move, then they throw a $20,000 bill at you? Um, so they say, well, you, we estimate in that period you use, uh, 100 cubic meters of water at, 107 pence per cubic meter. Wow. So that's 118 pounds. And then they say, well, since you used 100 cubic meters, your wastewater was also 100 cubic
1: meters oh. at
0: 51 pounds uh, pence. They're just basically
1: per- doubling you This is chicken.
0: Isn't that horrible?
1: By the way, what if you just drank all the water and peed elsewhere? <laughs> I bet I could prove it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, that, I can prove I, I used that water and I pissed it down someone else's toilet. You've got to compensate him and bill him more.
1: <laughs> Could be. It's going to happen. Gitmo Nation. Well, that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. How so, can the English public put up with this crap?
0: Well, it's funny you, you mention that because um, there the English public has snapped I came back, and the whole country is in an uproar. I'd already read about it um, You know, the last day I was in Los Angeles before I got on the plane. I was like, what the hell is going on? Um, the, an absolute uproar. I'm talking about 10 minutes, a 10-minute long discussion items, uh, uh, reporters live on the scene. At the top of the news, the 10 o'clock BBC News, not ITV or Channel 4, but the BBC News, all of the news outlets were doing it. You know, the BBC 24 news channel. These, um, two, uh, two, um, uh, presenters. One of them, uh, well, you probably know both of them. Uh, one is Russell Brand. He's, no.
1: uh,
0: he's the guy who hosted the MTV Awards. He's an English, uh, comedian. He's also in that movie, uh, Forgetting Sarah, I think it's called. Uh, kind of rock and roll looking guy. It looks a bit like Michael Butler. Okay. And, um, Jonathan Ross, who is, uh, of course, you know the top talk show host has his friday night show makes 6 million pounds a year. Jonathan Ross uh, is the high I think the highest paid quote entertainer uh on the BBC and of course the BBC is publicly funded so people are always bitching about it. And Russell Brand is also uh, reasonably uh, I think he's up there in salary. But anyway they uh, they made they did a show together. I think it was a Russell Brand show and Jonathan Ross came on and you know the here two guys who probably off the radio they're really funny together because they're probably really good friends. But then they got together and it just became a, tr- a trumping one doing crazier than the other. And they called up uh, an actor Andrew Sachs, um, who was Manuel in Faulty Towers, and you know and so they're just talking trash into his uh, into his voicemail because the guy didn't pick up. And then at one point, Jonathan Ross says, well, and he literally says this. He says, oh, go ahead, Russell, just, you know, tell him that you fucked his granddaughter, which apparently is true. Um, and then, you know, it just went, (laughs) it went downhill from there, right? So if anything, there should be an outrage because it was not funny. It was just dumb. But this has resulted in a huge, I mean, just John, astronomical front page of the financial times, even, you know, the BBC, it's gone too far, and this has to stop, and uh, Russell Brand resigned. Jonathan Ross, you know, uh, suspended for 12 weeks without pay. Um, you know, the, the director general had to give public statements, and everyone's, you know, and now what's happening, they're saying, well, the BBC clearly needs more and tighter editorial controls. It's really amazing to see what's happening. So from two ends, one, the public, they, they're so frustrated and angry that here was an opportunity, I believe, you know, to yell at, so because basically, Jonathan Ross and Russell Brand are public servants, if you look at it the way the payments are structured to the BBC. To just, you know, get pissed off like they were, like they were, um, bank executives getting bailed out. You know, it's just
1: huge outrage. So, are you, are you telling me that there was a pent up hostility towards the BBC? I,
0: I think towards authority in general and perhaps in particular, um, people who are doing quite well, doing seemingly nothing. <laughs> and, but then, what's well, that's
1: ha- everybody in broadcasting exactly,
0: you know? but so now what's happened on the on the political side is it's it's really being I can see it happening. They're grasping this, and you know, it's like we need stricter uh, editorial controls. And you know what that does to the DNA of a broadcast company? It makes everyone afraid to say anything,
1: right? It ruins everything. Yeah, and so the the BBC
0: was just basically. You know, if you believe in Naomi Wolf's shock doctrine theory, then wow, they got a they got a clubbing on this one.
1: Well, you know, the BBC has been um, pretty. Uh, I mean, they've been it's been a weird operation for the last number of years in terms of its politics. They've been extremely politically slanted.
0: No kidding.
1: And, uh I don't know that the public, you know, so we have a, uh, one of our, uh, talk show right wing talk show characters, actually is more of a, a libertarian type, I guess, but, uh, who's, uh, popular and successful is Michael Savage and he has this thesis that, um, and of course, anyone who listens to the show knows that I, and you, I, you to a lesser extent, but you know, right-wing talk shows are extremely, uh, uh, popular and well-produced, and it's a shame that the, uh, liberals, uh, don't listen to them because there's a lot of inner, besides there's the a entertainment, lot of learning. Value, there's a lot of learning. Yeah. Well, it's not learning as much as it's interesting perspectives that need to be addressed. He has this thesis that the reason that American newspapers are doing so bad, uh, in terms of they're losing, they just keep losing circulation. And he went through all the numbers every, <clears throat> over the last quarter. I mean, every, no matter, even the Times, everybody's just like losing numbers like there's no tomorrow. Kids don't read these things. Uh, and the public is getting tired of it. And I think is a lot of it has to do with what came out in a Pew research report, uh, showing the, doing, a, an analysis of every story written about the Obama and McCain campaign with a, you know, even though we already, we already knew this, even though there was some denial for a few years and the denials went away, which is that the media is extremely liberal. And the Pew Research Report showed that, you know, 80 percent of the Obama stories were positive about Obama and 20 percent of the McCain stories were positive about McCain. Uh, and it was overt. We're not talking about something that was like mild. It was overt up, you know, positive writing about one guy and overt negative writing. You know about what? I, you other. know what
0: I'd call this, John? Because uh, I, I totally agree with uh with what's taking what you're saying is taking place. And really, when you look at it, the elite—I call them—you the, know—the elitist media—and we're definitely uh, part of us is elitist, which is you know, really West Coast, East Coast. It talks to a very small audience. This—the John Stewart Show has a very small audience, uh, much much smaller than um the nascar country and western media what i call it uh which uh rush limbaugh or or many other forms of um news and and entertainment which is meant for a broad audience as a broadcaster it was hammered into me go broad go broad because you will wind up with no audience and i believe that's what's happening to these newspapers
1: that's his theory that's my theory and he, well, it's his theory too. So you're in agreement. You should, guys should get together for a drink. Anyway, the um, the point is, is that you know the the public. Hey, excuse, you know, they... me, excuse me.
0: You wouldn't be jealous if I got together with him and had a drink. <laughs>
1: yeah get, my, get him a, get an autograph <laughs> anyway get a free book from the guy. He's always giving his books away so um anyway the point is is that the audience uh can only put up with so much of it because they have an opinion and they just keep having this stuff thrown in their face it, you just you know constantly um, a lot of it's just bs and you can tell and you know it after a while. I mean, you just sense it. The public is becoming more. It's becoming like Russia, you know, where they, where the population before, the, in fact, to this day, they're extremely skeptical of, yeah. of any kind of reporting. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you have a public that's so skeptical because the media is not really doing its job. It's just promoting its personal agenda, even though they deny it because, oh, we're supposed to be so objective. <laughs> uh But the fact of the matter is, you know, it's all might as well all be like democracy now where they might where they just at least let you know where they stand at least they're up front. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's nobody's fooling anybody with that show, and uh, instead of trying to trick you, and I think the public resents it at some point. Or they get sick of it, or they or they just get tired of it. And uh, I don't know. And and the news choices, of course, which is what you know if you listen to the the. Um, Right. If you want to call them right wing philosophers, but the people that are conservative that took over the country for a while, uh, they had this thing, which I always thought uh, Richard Vigory, who is one of the great uh, direct marketing people and but he does mostly political stuff um, in history, wrote a bunch of books. He writes, he tells you how to do all this stuff and you know, these guys, a lot of people have great skills and all you have to do is read their book and you can <laughs> pick up all the he, tips. You can do it too. Vigory says that, and I have always agreed with this, he says it's not so much the, the, the way they write the stories, it's the stories that decide to cover. Of course. And... We run into that. In fact, I have a, a headline promotes. on my blog and I, all the other guys, all my other editors that, that blog there, uh, you know, it's called, uh, you know, underreported news with a subhead. Why, ask yourself why you're reading this on a blog. And there'll be a lot of scandalous and interesting stories that you just, it's almost impossible to find. Many of them covered in the European newspapers and are completely avoided here. Yeah.
0: No, it's true. And although I have, you know, I'm, um, I'm, um I'm just imagining a little bit of this, you know, our, our numbers are shooting through the roof. I think people are slowly switching on to, uh, the idea that there is some alternative out there and there are other smart people and we're starting to brand ourselves appropriately and people are picking up on more information and, and there's more choices. There's more angles you can look at things from. So you can start to define, uh, your own opinion. Uh, but yeah, the, the it's. It's so obvious when you come from uh, a broadcast background like yourself and 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 I, you know, when you know how it works and, and, you know, play the... uh, Actually, I was talking to Ron about this because he was showing Augie, his son, who's 26, he was saying, play the flashback game. And so he loads up uh, Fox News on one channel, then, you know, loads up CNN on the other and flashes back and forth, you know, with the last channel. And... Then all of a sudden becomes apparent, hey, wait a minute, these guys are all hyping up Obama and those guys are all hyping up McCain. And only when you see it in that context do you, does it really start to dawn on you. And most people don't realize this is taking place and don't realize how it really works. You know, the, the ownership structure, which, uh, you know, th- there's rarely a guy sitting in a room with a white cat going, ha, you know, turn up the Obama that kind of it, it trickles down through the <laughs> the big lever yeah it trickles down through the dna of a company and and if you've worked in any type of media organization you know what this is like oh we don't do that here we don't talk about that here no that's not really what they want there's a very mystical they and you and i've always said who's they get they on the phone because I, I got a question
1: no 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 it, yeah, it's not I, that I, simple yeah. that, that, usually, remember- that shit
0: by the way usually gets you fired
1: well yeah, that you become you become the what was that movie with Tom Cruise that he played the sports agent uh Jerry Maguire? Um, yeah, Jerry Maguire. It's actually if people who haven't seen that movie, you should re- or people who have seen you should revisit it because it's it, only for the beginning. Because the guy's this gung ho superstar, and he decides to stupidly reveal a memo that he wrote showing some of the ways that they can improve the company.
0: Yeah, oops, <laughs> big mistake,
1: and he is out. Yeah, uh, you always have to be <laughs> careful because the companies are, are corporate. I mean, corporate cultures are uh, are animals. Oh, they're, they're, they'll they'll they, shred they, you and spit you out. They exist on their own. And what's what's interesting to me about the newspaper situation, which I think is not discussed much, but I I sure remember because I used to be uh, you know here we go again. Ah, wait
0: a minute. Uh, you used to be Lou Grant.
1: <laughs> I used to be a paper boy. Ah, of course. And so, um, so was that, I by the, for, way. sorry, you were? Oh, yeah. He must have been the last one. Anyway, so, um, it, and you, I was working for the old Tribune, and I remember the newspaper business back when I was a kid, because I think my dad would bitch about this because he was like a, a liberal democrat, you know, uh, uh union guy wow. and pro, you know, labor. Mm. And, uh, he would always say, well, you know, and he, he the rule was, all the newspapers were owned by right wingers and all the reporters were left wingers and that's the way the that's the balance that you had and you could never really you know get too far out of control because you had a boss an owner like Noland in Oakland who became governor uh that wasn't going to let it happen but in today's environment it's like the owners are the liberals. They're the rich. You know, there were a lot of people. You know, there's a study that just came out showing that the especially the hyper-rich are all Democrats. The rich are all Republicans, and everybody else is a, is a Democrat. <laughs> but the, the super-rich are all Democrats, and I mean, we can I can name names. Yeah, there's I know a they're, bunch they're, of them. they're actually socialists. Right, they're socialists. They've, they've got a lot of money in there. You know, Warren Buffett's in this category. Warren Buffett, Steve Jobs, John Doerr. right all of them so anyways Soros, right? It's a good example. These guys are billionaires. So anyway, the uh, they these people who own the media now are also. I mean, instead of the we don't have the balance anymore. In other words, you don't have the owner who says, "Well, I don't care what anybody thinks in the editorial room." I'm this paper is for the Republican, and here you know, and so they put a you know, we recommend you vote for this guy. Now, like I think that the the results have just come in. Is like eighty percent of the newspapers around the country, the USA, have endorsed Obama. Yep. And 20% of, which are the, the hangers on, the 20% endorse McCain. And, you know, there's no reason for the thing that, in the, in the olden, it should never have that. If the, if the Republican was the worst guy in the world, it would still be pushing for him. So the balance is missing. So now it's just all liberals.
0: I'm sure you caught that Obama threw, uh, three, uh, journalists off of his plane. All three whose newspapers had, uh, uh, endorsed McCain.
1: No, I didn't know this.
0: Oh, yeah, and uh, it, it was under the guise of, well, you know, uh, we need to let some other uh, reporters on. And the reporters replacing them, I think, was like Ebony Magazine and Jet Magazine. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah, it's pretty funny.
1: <laughs> Reporters. by the
0: way i, I, can I well no, remind well, that, me by I, the way that, by what up.
1: you just described by the way is going to get worse yeah
0: well i mean how much we only have a couple days left so it doesn't make that much no no difference. i'm talking
1: about when obama if obama's elected oh yeah it's going to be course. worse than the clinton administration for like you know marginalizing everybody and taking over the media and making those yep. press conferences like really they're going to be embarrassingly fawning who
0: do you who do you think would be a good um press secretary for obama i would <laughs> 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 oh man you caught me mid-swallowing my water <laughs> i could have been i almost spewed on that that was funny <laughs> uh, no, yeah. <laughs> I, I do have um some thoughts about obama we'll get to that when we talk about the obama marshal um maybe we should talk about it now i can't remember where we were are we talking about your dad and uh about the balance so no, yeah well you were yeah let I me mean, not-
1: Go ahead. We were talking about Obama's get, is gonna clamp down on the right wing or the, the conservative right. sides of the media and they're not gonna be in the press conferences, they're not gonna get any access at all. They're gonna be re- denied access. I mean, that's what a president can do. I mean, it began years ago, you know, with, you know, I don't know, maybe it was Nixonian, I'm not sure where it really began. Well, didn't they, but, didn't they
0: eventually, uh, didn't Bush eventually throw Helen out? The world, the the uh, not that I know of. Well, she's. I think I she think... was. She resigned. She was so disgusted with it all. She she left. She decided well, not to could... cover it anymore. I think
1: she retired. I'm, I don't think she was. I mean, she you, wrote a you book. You can't throw... She wrote oh, a book, yeah, which, I
0: which I have, which I have on my list. I really should read that because man, read she it. was there for everything.
1: But um, I think this guy's going to be. Uh, uh... Potentially beyond the rest of them because he knows he can get away with all this stuff and everybody's going to cheer him because the, the I, all the liberal friends that I have that are, uh, Democrats or most of them call, don't call themselves liberals. They're pro, the, the real extreme ones are progressive, which is a kind of a throwback term. Uh, and they are so irked at being cut out of the deal for so long that they're going to be, I mean, they'd be cheering Hitler
0: just to give you a perspective on how um well I can't say Europe but certainly the the United Kingdom is looking at these last days uh before the election and they are following it quite closely they have uh uh, the reporters on the ground. They have they're using studios in Washington uh, with audiences, and those are pretty funny actually. Because you know they'll have a panel of uh, two or three Obama people, two or three McCain people. One will be like a Republican, not affiliated with the campaign. And there's usually one person who is actually in the campaign but the audience it's like <laughs> i love it you can pick them out you know the audience is so stacked you know I, uh, they went to central casting and said give me some republicans give me some democrats give me some undecided and literally the republicans are great you know they're like 16 year old boys you know full full suits ties you know very articulate and very you know, you just want to slap them upside the head. One of those little
1: bastards. Oxford but, debaters.
0: Oh, you know, exactly. On the debate team, and then you you can see which ones are. Uh, I mean, you can just tell, right? It's, it's totally stacked. But what's really interesting is the main thrust of the conversation I have picked up on is that it's really the question about race, which I see. Well, I saw less of that in the U.S. in the last four or five weeks. Than uh, just the little amount that I've uh, watched of coverage here in the UK, and um, and they really go in in depth into this into this uh, question of of race and you know where are we going to get a uh, the Bradley effect uh, all, all these different things and there was one woman who was it was a, a news piece and I don't know who she was and she said something really interesting she said just so she was black she said just so you know Obama is Is not an African American. He does not come from slave roots. Ergo, he does not necessarily represent the African Americans in the United States. And it didn't really, it didn't really hit me until I realized that that's, that's really an interesting statement. Um, and it just shows you how racist people actually are because they are judging, in many cases, judging his Perceived culture and background based upon his skin color and not really on his real background, which indeed has nothing to do with uh, Afri- African Americans' descendants from slaves
1: yeah, no, this is a specific type of African American he's obviously an african American, but this issue came up, you missed it probably uh, this came up in this election cycle uh, during the early primaries. Uh, when he was running against Hillary, mm-hmm. this became a huge issue for a couple of weeks. It was brought up by the sharptons or this you know the black uh the, the you know the people that you know that marginalized oh is this is this is this one when,
0: uh, is this when al Sharpton tried to say off camera oh I don't like the way he talks uh, that to was black jesse people. Jackson. Oh, jesse
1: jackson right. But it was it was one of those guys, they brought it up and it became kind of an issue that he's not really black or he's and I think it was it may have been Sharpton, but it was one of these guys that said he's not black enough. And then they started talking about the slave. But but,
0: am I crazy or is that the most racist thing you can say? It's pretty bad. I mean, that that seems like an outrageous racist comment to me.
1: Well, nobody calls anybody on it. They're giving a pass on this stuff, and that's just the way it goes. Now, and nobody, you know, was not going to give them a pass on it. It's like, oh, you know, bring it up some other time. Now, the thing that's interesting is that <laughs> bring I it up have some a... some other time. <laughs>
0: I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> Shut up. Bring it up some other time, will you? So, uh, so I don't, I should, if I could find it, I'd send it to you. But somebody sent me a, and maybe we can play it next week after the election's over, but although it wouldn't do any good. Uh, apparently, um, uh, Howard Stern sent his man on the street into Harlem. And have you heard any of this? Um, is this, is this the piece where,
0: um, where the question is, do you think that having Barack Obama and Sarah Palin on the same ticket would be good? Exactly. Yeah. He
1: went on. The idea was to prove that that blacks are just voting for Obama because he's black, and there's there's no thought at all involved in the whole thing, which is again another racist thing. And so he goes into the street, and he and the the idea was he brings this guy out there. Because you can do this with any population in the United States, so it's it's kind of artificial. Because I mean, Jay Leno's been making a career out of this thing called jaywalking. But anyway, so the idea was you you go into the street and you take some. Just any casual person in Harlem, a black person, and you ask them a question about Obama and whether they agree with his policies, and then you reiterate McCain's policies. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've seen this video. And then it's on after YouTube. they
1: agree to that, you say – and you don't think it was bad that he has a vice president like Sarah Palin as his running mate and see what they say. And they all agreed with McCain's policies, and they thought Sarah Palin was fine yeah. as his running mate, <laughs> even though she's not. And the whole thing was ridiculous, but it's a typical – you, you you listen – the more you listen to these kinds of things, and, and jaywalking that Jay Leno does is actually worse. The, it the just only, makes you shake your head.
0: The only thing I take issue with is, is, is people. People forget, and I see this with very highly intelligent people. They forget that so there is an editor who put this together, and obviously it's a lot less spectacular if you see a couple of people answer it quite intelligently and not falling for it, and you just right. put all this, the idiots together. I, there are many examples of this type of video on YouTube. Um, Tons. You know, it's like, name a country that starts with the letter U. You know, it's like, and of course if you think about America, not a lot of people think about United States of America. And, you know, they're like, uh, Utah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's right. They say Utah. Well there was this one kid roaming around I think we blogged this one, or I did, uh, who goes around some joker goes to some haughty college, uh some haughty private college somewhere, and he gets he hated the place, and he goes to the women one after another saying, you know, we, getting him to sign a petition against women's suffrage. Yeah. And you know, he gets them all to sign. Oh a women's suffrage, oh yeah, I'll sign that. You know, and those girls is, that's do, the woman's right to vote. Right, and meanwhile, this this one girl's all for it. She's signing away, and her boyfriend shouts out, "You can't sign that. That's the, talking about." She he knew it was about the right to vote, and she was like, "I don't know what he's talking about." And she signs it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then, uh, and then finally, there was the one girl who knew, uh, you know, out of the group. But again, you're right. I mean, these things are. I mean, you you, you edit them for effect. You can't imagine what Jay Leno how much footage that they actually get. Oh, tons. Before they find these incredible dummies who don't know but apparently don't know anything
0: so from that very perspective and and this is a unique perspective that john and i have because we know how television works and how it's how it's made and i and i probably know more of the dirty tricks um because I, mtv is full of them and they're not considered dirty or bad by the way we just do it as a force of nature uh the obama Marshall should be on oh, this yeah. topic and, uh, thank you for, uh, for sending me the link, um, so I could watch it in its entirety. You know, did, were you able to watch this in high def, by the way? Yeah. How, how did that look in high def?
1: Because I thought. It wasn't, it wasn't special in but, high def. But the,
0: but the, um, the tone and the color of it, uh, it felt to me like it was one of those red, red filters. I mean, it, it wasn't mm-hmm. v- film, but it was, it was video that was, you know, mm-hmm. kind of drawn into film. What What did you think it was?
1: that wasn't go- i think that was the- just a bad uh uh what do you call it when you i think it was just a bad copy no i mean not a copy but you know that that was uh, ripped to flash the when you right. looked no, at but,
0: but, but still when i looked at it it felt to me like they were they had put some form of nice effect uh, in- into the entire piece to give it kind of like that film look
1: well, you know it's possible i mean i was i would initially guess it was the transcoding, but now that you mention it it, it and I'm just this is just a guess because I never looked at that little version that you have uh It's possible that there was something going on like that that when it was transcoded became more apparent well i'm all well,
0: I, you know what it's it wouldn't matter if uh if it was if if they did it then I would be able to see it because i I just know uh, and I can always pick up on these things and with the knowledge that you know that uh, that Video of the horrible Obama Yugen singing uh, that was done by Jeff was it uh, Zucker and uh, yeah the NBC guy NBC guy but also the uh, they specifically thanked the 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 Red Corporation the Red Lenses whatever it is people who make that
1: oh, oh I didn't know that yeah
0: yeah because it was you know they had the uh, the Steadicam operator another famous guy who does a lot of you know his director of photography and a lot of different uh, movies. Anyway, so it, it, there, of course there were no credits, which is what I really wanted to see. But it looked like um, it look, it, you know, I like the way they did that.
1: And, yeah, well, uh, that you could tell that production. I, I here's before you give your analysis. Let me just say what I thought, yeah. which is that I thought the thing was extremely Hollywood at the beginning, and you could tell that they used some expensive people and Obama's team. Whoever they is really running things uh, are really adept at getting who they need to get to make this guy look the best he can. Uh-huh. And then I thought they kind of blew it at the end with that live thing. I thought that was like lame.
0: Well, that wasn't on the video because I only have the whole video. I didn't have the switch over to live. I did hear audio oh. of it when they switched to. uh Was it Florida? Was he in Florida?
1: Yeah, it was in Florida, it was like, it wasn't one of the biggest groups, there was some empty seats, which they obviously didn't have the right, you know, people there to fill those seats up. And, uh, it was, it changed the tone. And I thought it, 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 I thought the whole effect that was being developed throughout the regular party. Well, was, was good, the, and then they, they ruined it with that then they ruined it with an you know up there rah, 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 you, you know what that sounds you know, like the same old same old you know what that sounds and like it was like
0: that sounds like uh, feature creep it sounds to me like the production team was okay we're going to make this beautiful video and then we're going to switch live via satellite to florida and it'll be a beautiful thing that's that feels like a director who was just given a little bit too much rope could be
1: yeah. But it was it, it, I think it I think whatever impact the first part of it had which I guess is all you saw I didn't know that it, that other part wasn't at the end I would have gotten a copy. Um and then they you know it was like wow what an amazingly well produced good you know see, the guy wasn't pushing it too far it was just well it was tastefully done and then then they throw you to some horrible convention live thing with him yelling and screaming like Hitler you know on top of a podium. <laughs> and i'm thinking Here geez, comes this wasn't was what i was looking for
0: yeah um i thought the casting was really well done uh, i like the um you know the, the you know you always you, you put people on that could be the people watching that's the whole point not a bad audience by the way uh, 30 million <laughs> so about t- 10 million per network these that's probably tenfold what these networks usually get during uh, election coverage so a uh, very good deal for everyone all around. Uh, I think the price was still quite reasonable. You know, $3 million to, to, to reach $30 million. So steal. Yeah, I think that's a really good deal. Um, what I did not like was the writing. I thought the writing really fell flat. It didn't, uh, it didn't grab me at any moment. You know, it was too many examples of people. There was not enough. You know, the, the setup was good. The opening was good. The whole opening scene in the office
1: um. well you you know you might have something there because when I watched it I was kind of I was trying to be I wasn't going to take sides I was going to watch this thing and I and I thought the thing wasn't poorly written but when I read the uh, postmortems uh and or listened to some of them and, and and people brought up some of the ludicrous aspects of the presentation including this woman who has a you know a, a fairly new SUV and seven kids with the <laughs> yeah. little stickers on the back yeah. and she has a big refrigerator and each kid has their own rack where they have their... Their own snacks and each one, and they have to like budget their snacks because they're running out of money <laughs> I know, or whatever. I'm I thinking, know, I know. what are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they do they
0: have their uniforms on
1: because I yeah. don't remember <laughs> the little, <laughs> little surprise they be. didn't have their armbands. So, by the way, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna bring out some Obama armbands. I think they're, they're they would be great,
0: awesome. It's gonna be a hit.
1: Um, I gotta get a hold of our T-shirt guy, and I'm gonna see if he can do armbands for us, so we'll parcel those. I gotta find out whether we can (laughs) use the logo or not.
0: I looked into it. I did find the company that made it. They did all the branding for the Obama campaign.
1: Oh, who? Um, I'll look it up. Okay, but we should bring that up to our listeners because it's interesting because it's extremely Madison Avenue. They got the logo. They got the, you know, the certain font that they use commonly. Those posters like the Obama, you know, hope, dope, smoke, whatever those things say. Those were done by independent artists on the side. There's a lot of independent art that kind of came into the campaign that they've adopted. But in fact, the, the actual messaging, and you can see it at the Democratic National Convention, it's extremely, uh, you know, it's art directed. Yeah. And you you know, everyone would hold up the same poster and then they'd hold up another one and there'd be a bunch of, I, I blogged this and I showed a lot of examples yeah. of it. And and these goons would come in with their, you know, they wore look like one of those guys that, d- that works on the roadway. Yeah, you, you, you never know, see a right, home. Orange. You
0: never see a homemade sign in the background, unless it's an extraordinary one.
1: Well, they would take They would hustle over there and grab the guy, and I don't know if they beat him up, but it's possible they clubbed him, and then they give (laughs) him a regular tased
0: him. They tased him.
1: (laughs) Give him a regular sign that he's supposed to be holding, and so it was. It was extremely orchestrated to kind of a sick. I mean, I thought it was. It lost a lot. There's a lot of soullessness to the uh, to the Democratic National Convention. So so here's what I
0: here's what I missed, John, in the in the writing. Okay, because I see this as a show. You know and uh, the the McCain uh, Palin part of the show. You know, it's like uh, like on happy days. You know, sometimes you just don't see a lot of Richie. You know, that's just the way this, that's the way mini series work. So now we've got uh, the funds. We've got uh, Obama right front and center. But there was no motivation. There was no, you know, we're we're the youngest country. Look at Europe, They're three times as old as we are. We have a very dynamic, great, you know, force. We we love to get the shit done. Americans are awesome. The young people are really going to make stuff happen, and we're making this change, and we have this hope for them. It wasn't. It was all for people who the way I the way I felt the writing was. It came across as. Okay, you know, yeah, I, I'm middle class, you know, uh, I'll, let me be upper middle class, um, you know, save me. That's basically what it was. There was no inspiration for the country.
1: Did, did, no, uh, the messaging is all, and people have pointed this out before, most of Obama's messaging is negative. Not, not negative campaigning. I'm talking about negative messaging. The country screwed up. You know, we've got to turn around. We've got to fix things. we got to redistribute the wealth. we got to make things more fair. It's all, it's all these bad things. That, he's not saying anything bad against McCain, well, even though he does. He calls him Bush every time they turn around, which seems like an <laughs> insult if you ask me. So, oh no, Obama's not doing any negative campaigning. Well, I think calling John McCain Bush is yeah, negative that's, that's campaigning.
0: Pretty negative. You, you know, the thing about, uh, so here's what here's the here's the latest trip he's on, uh, and I want to remind our listeners that uh, neither John or I are voting for either candidate. Um, they're calling me a socialist. Well, yeah, I do remember when kindergarten. I do remember sharing my toys and giving my friend half of my peanut butter sandwich. I'm like, that is that is. I don't understand why they don't rip into him on this. That's a really bad analogy because it's a little different when the teacher forces you to give up half of your peanut butter sandwich. That's, you know, there's a big yeah, difference.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. But, uh, well, I mean, he gets away with anything he wants to get away with because, let's face it, this it's a long, uh, I mean, it's decided by the uh, people who'd be criticizing him that they're not going to, he, he gets a pass on everything. So, so, I, so I've, I, you
0: know, I, I know John McCain makes no chance unless. Unless there's an interesting twist, at the just at the very end, the final series, the final in the series, unless they have rigged the voting machines and then John McCain wins, uh, that would be a very interesting turn in the whole plot. But I'm just going to presume that uh, Obama becomes president. So I'm really looking into what he's doing. And I'm looking at at the plans, which are all on the website, BarackObama.com. And really, what I'm seeing is doubling of the military... Uh, doubling of homeland security, uh, resources. And I see new internet everywhere, databases everywhere. I mean, and it's right there. I mean, th- th- there's stuff in there about, you know, working with private industry and government to create, you know, a new, safer internet. I'm like, huh? <laughs> you know, um, and, and you could, and, and you can see all these little things that he's done throughout his, uh, career as a senator. You, can, you know, these these little little bills that are put in these one paragraph bills, basically creating some kind of commission for this or commission for that or who's going to determine what's safe on the Internet. You know, there's another commission and he's passed all these bills. And it's like to me, it seems like a beautiful puzzle that's now coming together. And I look at this policy. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's it's sure hope and change. But, you know, there's a lot of details on uh, on on what he's going to do with uh Tax credit refunds, refundable tax credits, and uh, and and his, his health insurance plan, but not a lot of detail on all this other stuff. And it seems seems quite far reaching in many cases.
1: Yeah, well, it could be militaristic for all we know. I mean, nobody's gonna, you know, nobody breaks any of this stuff down. They're just, you know, working fourteen hours a day for Obama. I mean, I got a note from somebody the other day that was like, uh,
0: "Yes, yeah, so when you forwarded Saint- me."
1: Yeah, I said, you. well, you know, I would like to get together sometime, you know, but I'm down in New Mexico, you know, this is a person from the Bay Area. Yeah. I'm down in New Mexico working 14 hours a day for the Obama campaign. Boy, I would go when this election's over. And then you have your next-door neighbor who's, like, at Obama camp, yeah. uh, and these people are just, I mean, amazing job of creating a, uh, a bunch of volunteers. I mean, this just shows you, by the way, that volunteerism is alive and well, and not many people take it of it but people do like to get involved in movements that are historic and or even interesting or fun uh and and literally uh work themselves to death on behalf of somebody else who they'll probably never meet or they might meet in you know some some sort of a line you know where they're all standing there and you the guys basically you know giving the fish fist thing bing 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 down the line as fast as he can to get out of there and uh that's it so thinking, what a thankless job.
0: So um, you know, and, and and I like Barack Obama. I like him. He seems like he seems like a good guy. You know, he's he's programmed and and he's being run by uh, by well, what you would call the shadow
1: government. Um, and well, the, you would call Brzezinski.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, and I'm thinking that. Uh, There must be a way to hack into the system because if we could, if we the people could truly get him to do the things that that we want, that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, that's never going to happen. He's a well. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a way to to hack into to reprogram his thoughts.
1: Soon as he gets in office, they drag him aside, three goons grab him and they, they inject him with something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then they, then you never see him again oh, in you'll, public. You'll love this. But he's like... always giving speeches. This reminds me of that wait, Star wait, wait, Trek wait, episode. Before where you, the, before uh, you yes. get into
0: that, before you get into that, I got to tell you this. As a part of the plan, uh, um, he has worked and will support and will make available four billion dollars for the avian flu.
1: Yeah? That freaks me out.
0: Why? Because there is no avian flu.
1: Well, if you, if there definitely won't be... <laughs> they spend a billion dollars. Um, four billion dollars. Okay, you're... Four? That's oh, I said, so said, a billion. Four, four billion?
0: Four billion with a B. Four billion yeah, dollars
1: some, is I set th- aside. I think there is an avian flu, and I think our little operation, Adam, the avian flu elimination project is going to need some funding. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Damn, you're so right. Hmm. We must get on this immediately. Oh my goodness. Okay, yeah, the Star Trek episode.
1: Yeah, they go the Star Trek one of the older ones. Everyone who's seen Star Trek, just you know the original series probably seen it a million times, but this is the one where they show up on this planet. The place is fascist. And then they find the guy who's running the place. Everyone's wearing Nazi armbands and whatever. And the, the, the guy who's running the place—some some guy from you know from the federation or whatever—they. Or you know whatever they I forgot what it's called but the uh, he's the, one of these Star Trek guys he's like a guy that was sent out on a different mission and next thing you know he's now a, he's essentially a, a fascist mm-hmm. and then they de- determined of course that he was uh, he just did the fascist thing to try to straighten out what was an out of control society and they got carried away and then some evil people uh, because he became so popular they drugged him and made him do their bidding you know behind a glass wall and they had to rescue him. Him and then take him off these drugs so he could say no you know we got i so he give his last speech and say this is all wrong 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 and then of course then they shoot him mm-hmm. the bad you know the bad guys do and then they arrest the nazis and it's just it was actually a, one of the better stories it was very interesting
0: it's um wizard of oz
1: well not really but okay
0: in a way in in the metaphoric sense that uh the seeming power really is powerless
1: yeah well that's true the the guy was a phony but but he wasn't like the difference is that one was unwitting and the other one was you know volunteer so it's slightly different the manchurian candidate well there's that too yeah by the way if anyone hasn't seen you know the manchurian candidate the original one which shows up on tv every once in a while the black and white movie with frank sinatra um is, an out, is much better than the second. The second, you know, they do these read, you know, they redo these movies and they change the story. The original story and the novel, by the way, if you want to read a good book, read The Manchurian Candidate, the book. It actually has a lot of interesting, there's a lot of interest, it's well written, let's put it that way, and a great read if you haven't read it. And rather than read this new stuff, read, go back and read some classics. But The Manchurian Candidate is one of them. But the original movie, of course, was never successful because it came out just as John Kennedy was assassinated. And the thing had to actually be shelved. I don't think it ever made any money, huh. but it is a great, great film.
0: I got a question for you. Yeah, the show has been on uh, has been going for over a year now. Uh, we actually forgot to celebrate our one year anniversary, honey. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> Lo siento. Um, I think somewhere around episode twenty, we were talking about China in the Congo. Oh yeah. And right well, now and in
1: Africa, throughout Africa.
0: Right, but specifically they're in the Congo. There's uh, 750,000 Chinese workers now
1: yeah. in uh in Africa. Yeah, because they can't find workers in Africa apparently. Yeah.
0: And uh you know they they promised to build uh hospitals, schools, roads, you know all this stuff in the Congo, in particular. Roads very important because they've got the red mud and uh, I actually know a little bit about that. I can remember getting stuck in the red mud. As a kid in uh, Uganda, um, and so you know they move in quite aggressively. They need the gold. They need all the minerals. There's, um, oh, what's the stuff that is in the in mobile phones, John? It's another uh, mineral,
1: either palladium or, um there's a not
0: cobalt, but. Uh,
1: <laughs> Something i don't know else. i mean there's a bunch of that yeah i know what you're saying it's not i thought it was palladium but maybe i'm wrong
0: no nah, well it was something on the bbc but i forgot what it was it sounded like cobalt i don't know um so you know obviously very important for china because most of our mobile phones come from china look at your iphone um and i'm thinking that
1: you know i uh, use a nokia e71
0: ah so do i they come from finland yeah we're we're, we're um Where, by the way, the Internet has the regulation Australia is getting. But anyway, so the Chinese move in pretty aggressively. This has only been going for about a year. And, in fact, if uh, if you've been listening to the show, you know that John and I are a fan of uh, uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, the book John Perkins, uh, the author of that, who uh, spells out how this works. And I was looking through some articles today, and I saw that uh, Bechtel, that's the company that John Perkins worked for.
1: Was all over. No, actually, no. He worked for a small consulting firm. It wasn't Bechtel. He worked with. I thought thought later he worked for Bechtel. I don't know. Maybe Uh, I don't remember that. Well,
0: he references Bechtel many times in the book. Yeah. Um, And so I read that Bechtel is in there setting up huge contracts. They're basically kind of like a a go-between team. And the the way uh, John Perkins explains it is: so first, you know, the, uh, the economic hitmen go in. They, you know, they find they. They find out who um, who they need to bribe, and they give them hundreds of millions of dollars, and they sign off. They basically sign their their countries away, and then those contracts go to mainly uh, U.S. Uh, companies. And if you know they default on loans and they, the IMF, and then they they take everything away. I mean, it's a, it's a huge scam, basically. And what the guy specifically says is that when that doesn't work, then they send in the jackals. The jackals being you know, black ops, CIA type stuff. To troublemakers. Just, troublemakers to stir shit up and to throw people from power. And when I look at what's going on now, where it's exactly the reverse of the 90s, uh, where the, let me think if I'm saying this right, the Hootsies were getting their ass kicked by the, no, the Tootsies were kick, were getting their ass kicked by the Hootsies.
1: Hootsies <laughs> and Tootsies. I, I, I like
0: saying Hootsies and Tootsies. It's easier to remember. <laughs> the H's and yeah. T's. Now, the T's are kicking the H's ass. Uh, and, you know, it, it feels like jackals all over this thing, John. And it feels like this time China's
1: involved as well. Well, I think China's our competitor in this deal. And uh, I think the problem we're having is that China is like, you know, they're doing a bunch of stuff we can't do. I don't know. Maybe we're partnering with them. I mean, it's always possible that behind the scenes, or, you know, or, we let or China. This could be the front.
0: You know, it of could course, be. now you know this could be where the front the war between the u.S and China takes place
1: I, I'm i thinking more. it's more likely that there's some sort of an agreement in the back room that lets because one of the things we could never do uh, in Africa in particular was support these creeps who hated us anyway and you know and pull the economic hitman stunt that we could easily do in South America.
0: Well, we tried, uh, but we always seem to fail
1: yeah we always screw it, it never works we can 't do the, the model we for Africa is is unknown to us yeah, but the Chinese way. have an interesting model, and uh, which of course I elucidated before, and I, you know just to bring it up again they have, they, they basically scam these people uh, and this was introduced to me by a German entrepreneur some years earlier who had started to see it back i think this was a while back um, he said and he he outlined exactly what the process is. Um, uh, and I, and as, as soon as he did, it made sense to me that every time I looked into it, this is exactly what was going on, which is the Chinese find some government, no matter how horrible these people are, do a deal to build their infrastructure out, and in the process, as part of the deal to build out the infrastructure, they are allowed to bring in duty free anything they want and their own workers, and so they flood the place with 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 a bunch of supposed workers who set up little communities and towns and stores, and then they take. All these, all this duty-free goods, which nothing can compete with. This is why the German guy was irked, because you can't compete with duty-free when you're paying 50% for the same thing. And they bring in a lot of this stuff's inferior. They bring all this crap in, and then they start flooding the market with products that are duty that is cheap, as part of this process to build out their infrastructure and build a dam, do this and do that, but they never complete the product project uh, st- and let this the situation go on forever where the Chinese start importing just tons and tons of stuff people and they end up taking over the country for all practical purposes at least economically and mm-hmm. uh it's an it's something we, we i mean we don't have the it's just hey, nothing a- we would a- do am
0: I crazy but is that not exactly what's taking place with the uh Europe and the United States aren't the Chinese doing exactly that aren't they bringing stuff in const- constantly maybe they're taking us over very quietly economically in the background just by importing all of this stuff I mean they've got all kinds of you know new uh they've negotiated I'm sure with with all these uh, sovereign wealth funds I'm sure they've negotiated many of the import contracts Maybe that's maybe that's their whole modus operandi.
1: Well, the problem with doing that to us, first of all, is the uh we, it's not they're not doing it as a cheat. In other words, slipping in some crazy idea so they can get the stuff in duty free. I mean, there's already duty free. But and and, and the other thing is most of this what we're paying them with. Is not uh, it's not minerals. It's not you know. As much, I mean, I think the Canadians ship them a lot of logs, but we don't really <laughs> ship them anything. That's anything other than essentially debt that yeah. they own. Here,
0: take some, take some of our credit cards.
1: Take some of our debt. Uh, oh, by the way, can we borrow more money from you? Uh, so I'm wondering who's scamming who in this deal.
0: Well, it takes two to tango, I guess.
1: Well, it all shakes out in the end, and at some point it's an unstable situation and Of course, my thinking is that we 're having heading for an economic crisis, but not until we have a nice bull market right after the election that 's my guess, yeah hmm. so anyway I bought i, I don 't want to get into the stock market stuff, but I did buy a, uh, a, a an exchange traded note um and um so is that for the upside or the downside? It's a downside. It's a double short actually. And it is it is an exchange traded note which is one of these crazy financial vehicles and this one is created by the Deutsche Bank in Germany. And if anyone wants to know what it is, you can look it up. It's DTO. It's a sh- oil short for it's a commodity. Purchase, but it's not. It's a short, but it's done as an exchange-traded note, so you just trade it openly on the market. But it's, it, but it's, it's, it's structured like a um, uh, credit default swap. Is in other words, it's one of these crazy things that it doesn't. You know, it's like a one of these investment concepts, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So. So apparently <laughs> when you buy I, I would recommend people just somehow get one and buy it and sell it i don 't care, but you want to get it long enough so they have to send you the uh, the document which explains it <laughs> so it came in the mail the other day, and i 've been itching to get a hold of one of these things because I know the exchange all these crazy ideas that would have been these these financial vehicles or whatever they want to call them i 've always wanted to get a hold of one of the documents that explains how it works
0: so what's the uh... what's the value of uh, one uh, one of these etns
1: an etn uh, I, well that's it's kind of explain there is none in fact it's the whole thing <laughs> is something like a house of cards so you have to get in and you don't want to hold them forever although they expire this one expires in twenty thirty six but they, you can trade it on the stock exchange but anyway, so I got the document. Finally, it showed up. Holy so, mackerel! So is this you got?
0: This is like you're uh, you're kind of betting against the house, where you say, "Okay, I'm going to put five thousand into this ETN," and and you have a mark point where you bought in, and then depending on what it does, you 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 win or you lose.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Okay. And um, so, tell me about the document. It, the document is the size of the Manhattan phone book. <laughs> It's. I mean, it costs like ten bucks to ship me this thing. It's huge, and I mean, I and I'm now I've realized that no matter what happens with this ETN, this document has got to be the greatest cocktail party conversation piece (laughs) ever. Because I've I've gotten documents from companies you know doing IPOs, and you've seen these things. Is
0: it really thin paper and really small print?
1: No it was small print but it 's not necessarily thin paper, mm-hmm. but it 's just regular you know laser jet paper, right. but the thing is so big and it 's a convoluted mess I, no you wouldn 't it would take you a year or two to read it right. Be, and it's, if you could and it 's one thing after another, and how the bank does this and that and ugh. <laughs> anyway it 's worth the price of admission just to get this this big piece of paperwork in the mail. You go, Holy crap! I didn't know it was this complicated, but that's what a lot of these, uh, you know, awesome. these crazy investment, you know, creations are. They're just, you know, was, like uh, some. I was watching. Like these guys, I'm sorry. It's like these guys say, nobody can understand them.
0: Well, I was watching CNBC um, Friday as they were wrapping up. Uh, oh, Erin Burnett! God, I'm in love with her. Oh. I love her so much. She's, She's so, everybody's favorite. Oh, my God. I, I could live with her. I, I would worship her. I could live with I her. could. Uh, I wouldn't even have to have sex just just to lay next to her.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you wouldn't get any from her either. So. Uh, well, uh, anyway,
0: so um, Bernanke was on. And Bernanke, around 2 o'clock Friday afternoon, Eastern Time, he uh he starts doing this live speech and they and they already have the speech, so at a certain point when it gets kind of boring or long or whatever, you know, they just tune out and then they start talking about what he hasn't even talked about because they've been sent the speech ahead of time. And um and essentially what the message was um that they're tr- that they can't find a way to put into place um a US government backed Government sponsored enterprise. So what they're saying is, you know, the, the more, the, the pyramid of mortgages that exists today, you know, kind of winding up with the uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, that that cannot exist without explicit backing from the government. And they're talking about this, this way of doing it called, um, covered bonds.
1: Hmm. Have you heard of this? No, but I'm sure I will.
0: Yeah. So essentially, you know, there's, there's bonds that the U.S. government guarantees. And so that would be the vehicle. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's quite interesting to see because that is one of the big changes that they're making now uh, into this, uh, into the new global economic order as uh, Sarkozy and
1: Gordon Brown are calling it and Merkel. I believe Merkel. Andrew Horowitz wrote in his uh, online uh, news thing, or uh, blog, the, the Disciplined Investor. Uh, he and I'm going to blog it, too, which is that apparently $60 billion of that bailout are going to salaries and uh, bonuses for oh, the yeah. executives. Oh,
0: yeah. This guy's getting $500 million. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the New York Times had a great uh, piece um, where the, a reporter called into an employee conference call. <laughs> So somehow he got the and this is what a what a huge lack of security these things are. Oh you know, yeah, the, the stuff that's discussed on conference calls is just outrageous. I mean, if you, and and we're probably really bad at it at Mevio. Um, so he called in and you know the question was asked, so what are we going to do with the money? Well, we are, we're we're going to make acquisitions. We're going to you know hold on to it for better times. But you know, basically, no, we're not giving this to any smaller banks. No, this is not moving down the line. We're keeping it. We can do business and acquisitions. Acquisitions, of course, mean fees and uh, bonuses.
1: Right. But what's yeah, very... I a, sorry? I'm just saying say it's a scandal. Well,
0: what's really interesting is that Barclays Bank here in the UK, which I also bank with, um, they went out and they raised £7 billion, like $12, mil- $12 billion from the Saudis, from the Middle East, because they didn't want to uh, take the government money, they re- they refused it, and everyone's like really tripping out over this. And so they gave a, you know, like a, a really sweetheart deal to uh, to some Middle Eastern uh, sovereign wealth funds. And so they're still independent; they're not they don't belong to the government, which is a, a very interesting move.
1: Yeah, well, they'll probably still be in business someday.
0: Exactly. I was quite happy to see that.
1: Well I know that Wells Fargo when they when the government came calling they they said, no, we don't want your money. And they said, no, you're taking the money and you're t- giving us so many prefer- preferred stock shares, even though it turns out that it wasn't as good a deal as Goldman Sachs got in the- some of these same offerings. Um, in other words, the taxpayers have to pay the premium because the g- g- our Treasury Secretary is an ex-Goldman Sachs guys looking after his own people, uh, you know, uh, although I'm sure. So is some- his
0: little uh, assistant, the guy doling out the money, Neil Cash and Kerry
1: and so uh they didn't want it but the the argument was interesting to me was well everyone of you banks have to be in on this because if if some of you buy-in and some of you don't, then the public will know which banks are insolvent and, yep. and, and sketchy. And we don't want anyone knowing anything, which, of course, is like kind of insulting to the public is, why is the public, you know, while well, you may have a run on the bank, nobody has a run on the bank. I mean, we don't, because we got the FDIC, so you, your money's insured, you're always going to get it. But I, I think it'd be nice to know which banks are flaky. Of course.
0: It's total protectionism.
1: Anyway, what else? That's a, that's a depressing topic.
0: So, um, just a quick swing back to uh, to the Congo. The one thing that's really irking me is that, regardless of which news channel I'm watching, and you know, I I, I would expect a lot better from the BBC. Here, here's what I'm really outraged. Forget Jonathan Ross and uh, and the other fellow. Um, I'm really outraged that every single report, you know, starts by saying, "Well, it's really bad in the Congo," and here's so and so who has details on why this is taking place and then you see five minutes of horrible pictures of children, you know, there's no food, they're on the run, they're going to go die in the bushes and the woods, it's, it's horrible, hundreds of thousands. They don't actually give you any information about why this is happening. None of them, not a single story, not anywhere, can I actually get some information about what is taking place. Mm. Because they don't actually know, is my belief and i and i and I really think that you know this has China and us written all over it, and it could uh, be I and mean, we should be yeah, outraged I mean, about that that's what we should be outraged about
1: well, you know, I bet you if you if you read it if you go into and I hate to say that you have to do this nowadays to get information, I believe that if you go into the African blogs or you go to some of this more specialized information coming from you know other types of reporters. You're going to find the facts. Although the problem is, you're going to a lot of it's going to be slanted. But I think at least you can get closer to it.
0: Well, what I obviously I'm able to find some information. But what I'm talking about is that you know they'll go into depth about all kinds of bullshit. But you know this seems to be a really important one. It you know it's the top of the news, but really it's only the top of the news because there's frightened-looking people falling over each other and children. Crying and being trampled upon. It's porn. It's news porn. They're not actually giving you any information or anything we can we can do to change it. And where's Bono? <laughs> Where he can fix it? it, Bono and Bob. Come on, guys. Get out here. We need some help.
1: <laughs> where's Bono?
0: We got call up Ted Leonsis. Let's do live live nine.
1: <laughs> nah, that's the cynic in you.
0: Ah, it pisses me off. I mean, remember we are the world.
1: Oh, all the whole USA thing is a scam. For,
0: USA for Africa. That was twenty five uh. years ago, John. Twenty five years ago. Look at turn on the television. What have we done? What happened?
1: But well, this the is, same. Something's
0: thi- bullshit.
1: And the same thing with Hands Across America. Do you remember oh, that
0: one? Oh my God! Oh, you got to tell our listeners. A lot of people don't know about that. It was it was too long ago.
1: Hands Across America, there was – I. this was about – I have to get the date. You might want to look it up on Wikipedia. Yeah, you talk about uh, look it up. Yeah, give me the date. But anyway, so I actually met one of the guys who was the original designer of the whole process. And the idea was we're going to have – we had too much poverty in the United States, and we're going to pull together as a nation – and we're going to eliminate poverty and homelessness. And I think homelessness was maybe when the word first started to become popular was during the Hands Across America thing. So they decided they're going to 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 have a, make a big event out of people starting on the West Coast holding hands. One after another, after another, into a long stream across the entire country, like the Great Wall of China, from one end of the country to the other, all holding hands. And there was like little buttons and stickers and pins that had and arm armbands like Yeah, you know, <laughs> everything but the armband. And it was like little people holding hands. It was very collectible now. And it was called Hands Across America, and it was going to be the beginning of the end for homelessness. And it was just another big bunch of bullshit.
0: May May 25th, 1986. Yeah, there you go. 7 million people held hands in a human chain for 15 minutes along a path across the continental United, United States. Participants paid $10 to reserve their place in line. The proceeds were donated to local charities to fight hunger and homelessness and help those in poverty. You know what would, have been, what would have been cool? If you could hook up uh, a big-ass battery to one end <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it would go through all the all those people
1: <laughs> and jolt the guy at the other end? <laughs> Whoa,
0: tase him, dude! Well, tase him.
1: Well, the problem was is when it all is said and done, there it, were the, gaps the, all. Yeah, over there were that gaps. Thing.
0: They never made it. That that was like it was a disappointment because we didn't pull it off. You know, we failed.
1: Fail. Well, they didn't fail making a lot of money. That's
0: a big meme now these days. Fail. Have you it noticed is? that? Yeah, it's a meme. No. Yeah, no. you, yeah. It, you see Photoshop pictures of uh, like Bernanke and Paulson uh, in in Congress, and then behind him, a guy holding up a sign: "Fail." Really? Yeah, it's a meme. It's a meme. Oh, it's a good one. Um, yeah, yeah. It's fun.
1: Well, I have to start using it then. Yes,
0: let's. We should use it here on this very show. We need to fail. Uh, propagate. Fail. fail, fail. Yeah, we don't. Wanna...
1: Well, we some, don't wanna... sometimes this whole show is fail. Yeah, actually, we. I don't think we really had a totally Not dog really, of a, a show. real dog show.
0: No. No, we've been pretty, like, well, you know, it, it really depends, though. And, gosh, it's so important for me to be somewhere else, away from you.
1: Well, did not for no other reason than your connection is better.
0: <laughs> I'm convinced that's my router. Uh, I, I got I to gotta fix that.
1: But Get I, a new router.
0: But I don't know if I'm going to be in San Francisco before the end of the year. I'm going to be in New York. Got to do uh, some sales, sales stuff, hitting
1: the road. Well, New York's a short trip for you.
0: It's a good trip. Yeah. Right now, there's only four hours' time difference between London and New York, which is.
1: Yeah, no, if I lived in New York, I'd probably be going back and forth to London or Paris constantly because it seems like a good weekend thing to do. It's inconvenient from here because it adds another four or five hours and it's just forget it.
0: Well, ergo having my own aircraft.
1: Right. Well, for you, I mean, going to Paris is like, you know, or, you know, Holland's got just an hour or so for you, right? How long does Uh, it take?
0: Holland, Rotterdam, about uh, an hour. Uh, Paris
1: would be about, uh, I don't know, uh, hour 45. Yeah. Do the like have you landed in Paris? Yes. Do you go to the wine country? Like Bordeaux would be a nice little place to fly. Uh, no, I've not done that, that yet. There's a. Uh, that's a little further.
0: Where, where most, uh, pilots from the UK go, if you just want to go to France, is, um, Le Touquet. Where's that? That's, uh, a coastal, uh, to Normandy
1: or something I like admit,
0: that? Now I'm confused. I don't know if that's what it's called. I don't think it's Latouque. Maybe it is Latouque That's how they pronounce it here, Latouque.
1: I think the place to go if I were you or if I was visiting and you wanted to go somewhere, I think Champagne.
0: Well, the good thing there's the- is there's, there's airfields everywhere. I mean, and you can, you can almost just say, okay, I want to land somewhere over there and it's going to be an airstrip.
1: Well, I'm sure there's a bunch of airstrips into the Champagne area, oh, yeah. which is runs. But those, I mean, like you you know, know, just basically
0: grass strips, you know, the, just the kind of stuff you can bop in and out of, and uh, you pay the guy whatever
1: you, you know, you, it's basically donation. <laughs>
0: That's fun. Yeah. It's like, is
1: that what hopping. people do? And I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you're flying over France and there's a little airship. You land and give the guy, you know, do, yeah. some money and you, yeah. and he you, lets you sit there. How do you get a, what do you, you need to have, You don't have a car or anything. There's no car rental place in oh, an airship no, oh, in Vietnam.
0: John, this is, this is aviation, man. I mean, this is, this is the hardcore stuff. Now, you can usually like rent a car in, in the States. You can do this all over the place. You know, same in, uh, in many of these smaller fields. You know, for, uh, in the States, it could be five bucks. You can rent a car, and it's basically just someone's car. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. We miss you. It's just a car. You know, that, that that's how it works. So, sometimes it's like a real proper budget, but usually it's, uh, or it hurts. Uh, but yeah, usually it's just a car, you know, and they'll take, they have local restaurants and, uh you know, they have hookups. If you go to the Isle of Wight, you know, when you're arriving, you can say, hey, we're going to the... Uh, the lobster pub. Okay, we'll have a cab ready for you. Mm. You yeah, know, you land, cab takes you up there. Doom, you have, you have uh, some lunch. It's nice. I, we got to do that when you're over here.
1: Yeah. After, yeah, it sounds after like you, fun.
0: After you cook on my aga.
1: So I'm thinking about this. I don't want to bring in a little paranoia into this, but I was thinking about this aga thing. Uh-oh. I'm thinking, uh, I want you to run this past your wife. Okay. Because she's she seems to be more in agreement with my views, and uh, often when they're, when I consider something to be a setup, well, that's because you guys are from uh, World War Two. <laughs> so anyway, the um, I'm thinking, well, maybe they got to keep an eye on Adam. So what are we going to do? He's going to move into this new place. <laughs> well, well, how are we going to do this? Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we listen in what he, really, you know, some of his tastes, and let's get a place and let's wire it up with microphones. And how are we going to make him buy this place? I I know exactly how to do it.
0: <laughs> let's put an, aga, put an in. <laughs> aga in it, and
1: I'll tell you, this idiot's going to buy the place, and he'll be in there. We'll have the whole place wired, and we can okay. listen to his conversations twenty four seven, just in case. And uh, bingo, (laughs) how many, the reason I thought of this is not that I'm thinking in in these terms normally is because what a coincidence that out of the blue, a house appears that my wife, she's in on it.
0: She's a, she's a shill. She's part of this uh, black flag
1: operation. It, out of the blue, just as you're looking for a place, there's another house mm. with the stove you love <laughs> which are rare by the way. this is not for people who want to know about this stove. I've never heard of anybody even owning one now we have two of them and <laughs> it shows up, and you like you being reeled in or oh uh. so, so here's what I see here's my thinking okay. You got to get a look there could be hard wires which is harder to deal with than uh, than bugs that are, you know, sending out transmissions. You have to bring an expert a bug expert to go through your house and make sure the place isn't wired for sound.
0: No, I think quite the opposite. I need to find the main transmission unit and then I got to jack that shit into the net so we can stream that for a fee. <laughs> I'm I, totally
1: well, Come that would on. work too. That's just is good. But Another I'm just man. saying. anyway, that was a thought that passed my mind. You know, it's not like I'm you know paranoid as you are. But no, you know. but I, run it past your wife and see what she thinks.
0: Okay, I'll ask her. I think she'll. <laughs> uh, she may give it some thought. I don't know. I don't know. She's coming back in about uh, an hour or so. Man, tr- outrageous audience again last night. Her first live show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like 35% market shares. Unbelievable.
1: Well, that thing probably has legs then. She'll be making money for a few years on that deal.
0: Yeah, well, she starts uh, Holland's Got Talent in February. So well, it's, just, it's just, you know, she just bops from one to the other. It's awesome. And she's so multi-talented.
1: Well, you know, it's, it sounds like easy money. I, I keep telling her. She's she's buying me my next plane. Yeah, you can get a nice, uh, what do you think you're going to get? Well, but you got your eye, you got a twin engine in mind uh not necessarily there's you can really blast around in one of those things well but the, not, yeah
0: i don't know i mean i i like the piper uh, meridian which is pressurized single engine uh turbo uh which you know the you know the requirement is it has to have s- steps in the back that open up otherwise my wife won't fly with me over the uh, ocean uh and so oh, and, right, and I, right. I want to get high enough so that you know there's no turbulence, so that's when I oh I need pressurized.
1: But also uh, the, what's the ceiling on that thing? Uh twenty two thousand feet. Well oh, you're gonna I don't think that's high enough, but okay. Oh yeah, it is. It's so it's, it's right in the middle of the clouds at twenty two. No, it? no.
0: <laughs> twenty two thousand feet? No. You're way above the clouds.
1: I remember one time I was flying across country on some, one of the first 767s and then, you know, they typically fly around 36,000 feet and we were bumping all right. over the place. Okay, and the okay, pilot okay. says, right,
0: right. it depends on where you are. Obviously the mountainous terrain will give you different height results.
1: And the pilot says, we're going to go up to 42,000 feet because the 767 just shoots right up to 42,000 feet where there's no turbulence. And we shot up to 40, and it was just like smooth as, a, and I'm always thinking you need to get to 42,000 feet to avoid all turbulence.
0: So, um, so you know those clouds sometimes you see when you have that turbulence. So the, those, it's really the, the Nimbus cloud and it reaches up to 42,000 feet. The Nimbus. Yeah, the Nimbus. Um, what's crazy. Yeah, so- Is is you know so you see those at the bottom, so you you're flying around at a couple thousand feet, and if you were to fly into one of those, you actually this has happened before. You can get sucked up to forty thousand feet, and then blown down again. I mean, oh yeah, nobody ever wants to fly into one of those, regardless of how big the airplane.
1: Yeah, I've heard that that a nimbus is a cloud that you do you fly way around. I was in Texas once, flying out of uh, Dallas on a, on a this pilot. It was a it was a MD eighty or something like that, and the guy mm-hmm. really liked it. and he went and he and he flew around. There was a huge pile of these nimbuses; they were all over the place, mm-hmm. and so he was flying, you know, and banking heavy banks and going around one, going around the other. It was actually one of the most fun flights I've ever been on for a commercial flight because this guy was just you know really. Taking it, you know, around, bo- yeah, yeah, and we, you know, missed every one of them. I mean, he just went around him, and he just like there was a little map, I guess he had of how to get through the mess. Yep. and never it's, went through it, a cloud. It, he didn't want to hit one.
0: It's called radar, John.
1: Oh, okay. The, the little map. Well, how does it's that called? work? The weather radar. <laughs> So, uh, but anyway, yeah, he was flying. It was which, actually which, quite interesting. Which, by
0: the way, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, the whole point of being an airplane in the sky is that you can actually not fly into the rain cloud. You know, sometimes unavoidable, the direction you're going, but lots of times, also, you know, it's like, ah, I don't want to go. You know, it'll take me five minutes longer if I just go around it. You right. Know? So that's, that's, that's pretty common stuff. But, it, yeah, so, um, he, but basically he did not want to fly through it.
1: No. <laughs> And, uh, and but it was, it was telling you the view because you get to see all these big nimbuses, which are I think is one of the prettiest clouds there are. I mean, it's just a
0: beauty. Yeah, spectacular.
1: And it, and if it happens to be a nimbus, it, well, which has decided to become a, a thunderstorm, where you see the light inside the cloud, you know, it, makes it look like a light show. Ping, ping. Yeah. Um, it's quite a, a sight. One time I was flying into Chicago. This was actually with the other really great sight I ever saw from an air. Actually, I saw a number of things from an airplane. I also saw the Aurora Borealis. But I was flying into Chicago. That, that's one when time. you were
0: in search of the crystal skull in the,
1: <sighs> the crystal skull. <laughs> so anyway, I was flying <laughs> in into Chicago, and there were about fifty funnel clouds in the sky. Yeah, they oh, were that- all over the place. That's, I mean, it was just I've the weirdest thing I've ever plane. seen.
0: Uh, a little, a little mini funnel cloud. It's really kind of frightening when you see a little you know the just the de- beginning development of a funnel cloud yeah it's kind of scary
1: well anyway it was like but it was this was up very early in the morning and, it, and they were lit with a kind of a golden color it was just like wow where's the camera anyway enough of that hour and a half my friend i guess we're done yeah so we got the election coming up now where you want to do a special broadcast right after it.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking that, um, let's see, uh, it probably will have, probably have to wait until two, until Wednesday, because um, Tuesday it'll be, you know, like really early morning Wednesday morning for me, I think. And who knows, you know, who knows what happens. We may go into recounts. There may be all kinds of stuff going
1: on. Well, I'm sure they're going to demand recounts here and there. I mean, it's a, that's a foregone conclusion. But um, and there's like apparently a number of states like Mississippi have 20 percent more registered voters in the population.
0: <laughs> have you seen Hacking Democracy? Have you seen that uh, HBO special? No, oh, I you, think so. oh, you really need to see it. It came out. Uh, I think it was over a year ago. Um, and it's uh, basically these grandmothers and don't think really old grandmothers but you know 60 year old grandmothers and uh, they go to find out if if the voting machines actually can be manipulated and well I won't you know spoil the ending for you <laughs> yeah um, right but it''s, uh, it's about it. you should uh, there's a link from curry.com uh, okay, from the, check the show out. notes from the daily source code I talked about it. It was really phenomenal hacking democracy really um will uh, surprise you at what's possible
1: well i'm whatever the case is you know whether it's uh obama and sarah palin winning <laughs> or, i'd be uh, all for
0: that man <laughs> I, g- I get horny no matter who i think
1: of and uh, <laughs> or it would be you know mccain and whoever he's i guess biden's running with him i'm not sure so, uh... <laughs> all right my friend all right
0: okay uh Well, I'm going to be here for, I think, at least another week, so probably, uh, well, after the election. That's when we'll do the next show, maybe the day after the election. Okay. Until then, coming to you from Gitmo Nation East, I'm Adam Curry.
1: And I'm up here in northern Silicon Valley, also known as More Nation. (laughs) I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to again next week right here on No Agenda.